Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hey you. I am walking back through the dock on Friday evening. It's surprisingly mild. I think I said that to you last week as well. But it's just not that cold. And I am not complaining. And it's actually just been the end of a very sparkling winter day. Beautiful blue skies, sunshine. And then one of those lovely sunsets where the sky's all pink and blue. And it reminds me of a t-shirt I had in the 80s when I was about... Four that had a sunset on it. I thought it was great. Um, I have been recording so many podcast chats for you this week. I've done four. I think in the last few weeks I've done about another six. I've had some brilliant conversations. Oh my goodness. The diversity as well. Blimey. And this conversation today that I'm sharing with you was actually recorded a little while ago and I don't know why I just felt a bit protective of it well I do know why it's a really sensitive conversation uh, that felt very important to have but quite oh, well it's a big one I speak to Clara Francis who I first became aware of because she has a clothing range called O Pioneers with her co-founder Tanya and they do beautiful dresses and I think they reached out to me during lockdown and we got chatting a little bit and then I started following O Pioneers and following Clara on Instagram and then she put up this post 
about her little girl, Maudie, who it turned out had died 10 years ago now from sepsis. She was only two years old. And I reached out to Clara, not really knowing her very well. I just said, you know, no need to reply, but just sending lots of love because the post that she put up was very honest. And, well, it's the sort of the thing we all think about in the corners of our mind as soon as we have a small person in our life that we adore, you know. The absolute horror of the idea of them not existing anymore while we're still here is just too much. And there are some people that that fire, that thought does not stay in their peripheral vision. It, it comes right center of their lives and sets fire to everything. So Clara said to me I'd be really happy. I, well, she actually suggested it. She said, I'd love to come and talk to you because there's such a taboo around being the parent of a child who's died and talking about children who die in general. So I felt incredibly honored, actually. I thought that was very special that she reached out and no small thing to me. And I, I want to say a heartfelt thank you to her for talking to me. And I could really see her while we were chatting. It was funny. I asked her, first of all, what Maudie was like when we started talking about her. And I don't know, maybe it's because my little one's the same age as she was then. But wow, I could feel a real sense of Maudie. So I want to thank Maudie as well. And whatever sense that's possible, because um, it was nice to meet her mum. And I would chat about her, even if it was heartbreaking too. And I really, really, really hope this helps some people. I'm sorry this is going to be upsetting, but I really hope it helps too. And if you're out there and this has in some way affected you in your life, I send you lots of love and you are not alone and there's support out there. So I'll leave you with Clara and I, who speaks so beautifully and passionately. It's pretty raw, but that's... Exactly as you'd expect, right? So anyway, hope you've got some tissues with you and I will see you on the other side. I've just had my 50th birthday, so I went through loads what? and loads of... Yeah. You're 50. I'm so old. God, what a great advert for 50. It's That's disgusting brilliant. disgusting to be so old. <laughs> I've, I never cared about aging before. I, 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 and I know it's only a number and I know it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But there's something about turning 50. Like turning 40, I was, it was fine. But there's something about 50. It just, I'm like, I'm, I'm really sort of officially old. Uh, it's a funny thing, aging. But I do think... Mostly, there's lots of good bits about it. And 40s, I've really... Uh, when I first was turning 40, I didn't really know what that me- meant to me. I didn't really have a vision in my head of like what 40s mm. is. But actually, I can now sort of see looking around me. After I'm 42. I feel like I can sort of get a sense now of... I think 40 is about sort of... You almost have to keep choosing to keep looking outside yourself and being curious about things because I think it's quite easy to start shutting the doors and getting a bit calcified in yeah in old old ways um, i know i mean when i turned 40 i i had a sort of plan i'd sort of planned everything um 
and and I was like, well, I've had my children, and I'm and I'm going to get married mm. when I'm forty. I, you know, that was always the plan. I wanted to have my children first, then I wanted to get married. But then when I was thirty nine, my daughter died, and uh, so actually turning forty was really horrendous time. But I didn't even think about the the, the forty because I was in really deep grief that yeah. year. So it was it was. There was no, I didn't even think about, I didn't think about the implications of being 40 because nothing else mattered other than yeah. my, my child had died. Um, and I, and it sort of gave me this perspective, like, well, it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> it, yeah. it actually really, really, really doesn't matter. Yeah. For that, in, that, in, that, in that circumstance, the, the new age is the most insignificant, trivial thing I'd imagine. But. And I, well, it sort of mattered in so much as I've, my daughter has died and I want to have another child and I need to have another child and I'm 39 and I have a biological clock and you know people were like no you mustn't get pregnant straight away you need time to grieve and I was like no you know I have to have a no you I need to get pregnant now mm. because I haven't got the luxury of time to grieve because I I'm have a biological I have this clock that's ticking away so it was it was sort of and actually, when I did turn 40, I was pregnant again because mm. I got pregnant three months after she died. I mean, I, I can, yeah. Wow, that's very But fast. I was like, yeah, I was quite deranged, I'd say. I was like, oh, it was my... But what my, is normal when everything is... I know, but I, yeah, I mean, to me, it felt very... It felt very... God, I just realised we've like started, I'm straight in. No, but that's uh, fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, it yeah. felt, you know, on the day that my daughter died, she died very suddenly... I was like, I, I need to have another child. I, I, in fact, when my mum walked in the room, you know, I said, I need to have another child. I mean, it was, it was, it was absolutely like, I knew that's what I had to do. Do you feel like sometimes when I have a thought in my head that is like the only thing I can think of, do you remember that cartoon Numbskulls that was in yeah. the Beano and yeah. like I put a message in Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like this is message yeah, yeah, yeah. just slotted in. yeah. Baby. That's it. Yeah, that's what I was like. All roads in your head that, lead to nothing, that yeah. thought. Well, I guess it's also a thing you can give yourself over to that's about um, a future. Hope. Actually. Hope, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel incredibly fortunate that I was young enough to have another child after losing a child because I, I, it doesn't fix you. No, it, of course it doesn't. It doesn't bring back your dead child, but gives you hope and also I wouldn't have had three children I was really really happy I had two girls and I was absolutely delighted with my two girls and um and then I had my third child after Maud had died who was a boy and I do still you know he's nine now and I and I do I really think he is like a sort of extension of her and I wouldn't, he wouldn't be here had she not died. It's a really difficult sort of concept to get my head around because I, I now have sort of changed history and now I'm like, yes, but I might have had three. I might have. I mean, I, I honestly don't think I would, but I would, like to have th I would like to think that I could have all my three children together mm. in one place. Um, yeah, actually, you're right. The idea of the new baby when you've lost a child so you've got three of them in your head yeah but then one has had has gone for the other to be yeah there. yeah exactly it's actually a very huge thing it to... is it's quite a difficult thing and 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 actually when I look back now to my sort of 
I need to have another child, you know, 10 minutes after, you know, she died. You know, it was because I wanted her back. You know, I really do think, you know, I, God, I absolutely wanted her to come back. Because when I had my first scan, they and, and, and I hadn't found out the sex of any of my children. I hadn't found out. I, was, I loved the idea that it was a surprise. Mm. But I needed to know with, with um, the third one because I, need, because I wanted so much to have a girl. And of course, I wanted her. Mm. And when they said I was having a boy, I, was, I cried. I mean, I'm so ashamed of that. <laughs> I'm really ashamed. I'm like, how could I have cried? I would... I... Um, I how could I not have wanted this incredible boy and even been picky under the circumstances? Um, but it was because I wanted her back. So yeah. in a way, it was kind of a a good thing that I I had a boy. I hadn't had a boy before. It was a whole new thing for me. You'll know about this. <laughs> what about, about, having, about boys? having boys? I do, yeah. Yeah. But then I think as well, I don't think there's, to me it's not, uh, shameful to cry when you find out it's not the same baby because I think there's something about I mean Maud was only two and that's such a visceral age as mm. well it's about the weight of them mm, and yeah. the feel of their yeah, hands yeah. and the the pudge yeah yeah the cheeks. The, the, the cheeks and she had amazing cheeks I don't <laughs> well, know if yeah, you've seen a picture of her I've seen she's pictures. like properly oh my god I'd like to hear about more because actually it's fitting we start with her because she's the reason why we're sat down here at all actually. yeah yeah that's true so um well she was um it's really interesting because when people talk about more, they only really talk about her in regard to her not being alive. And it's unusual when people say, what was she like? Because you think, oh God, nobody really asks what she was like. Um, it gets me really emotional. She was really, and I know it's a cliche because she, you know, it, she's never been allowed to do anything wrong because she died. But she was like this, you know, my, my daughter Bessie is has this incredible life force and this spirit and she was my first and she kind of came out and she absolutely knew what she wanted and she what she sort of rails against everything and um and then Maud came along and I was like oh god this is really easy <laughs> oh I see now I understand why people have lots of children because it doesn't have to be so hard she she was like she slept through the night really early on she never she very rarely cried she giggled she was funny she was she was just so easy and loving not that Bessie isn't because she was she was just more challenging Hmm. she's she's sort of more Bessie I suppose is more like me um Maud was very easy and I would just I'd put her in her car and I just like, she was always smiling and always laughing. Um, and I mean, you know, it's funny because I wish I'd written stuff down because I've sort of forgotten and I'm really ashamed to say that. I, I wish I'd and at the at the time of her death, people were like, you must write stuff down. And I couldn't because it was too painful. I just couldn't. I was like, oh, you need to enjoy. You had her for two and a half years. You need to. I was like, I can't. I can't even think about enjoying. I can't. It's her, It's too painful that she's not here. But 10 years on, 
I wish I had, I, because there's a lot that I've forgotten. So, um, I wouldn't have written anything. Uh, yeah, it's funny because because it's, it's how you are as well. You have to kind of you grieve how you are, yeah. and that is not. I'm not a writer down. Exactly, I'm yeah. not a writer down. I'm just no. too. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm exactly. The yeah, same. And, and I know other other friends um who've lost children they're very different and they've they've written to their their child every day and I feel and I you know and they've written down memories and I I I I I feel really envious I'm like I wish I'd done that I I didn't do it but it's it's I couldn't I absolutely couldn't have done it it was too painful to I couldn't look at a photograph of her for Mm. about four years and I couldn't look at a video of her until this year like you know video wow yeah the vi- the video thing when you're you know when you're it, it, and you see them in 360 degrees and, yeah. and you hear their voice yeah you know there's something about hearing their voice that is um it's really funny I feel really emotional this week because I don't normally cry all the time but this week I have just felt really really emotional I think it's because I'm so tired because mm. I'm doing so many things which is obviously another reason why I'm here it's also a sad thing Clara I know I know I know I know but <laughs> I think I keep so busy um I'm so busy all the time that I I have really felt I sort of haven't had time for her. And when life isn't quite as chaotic as it is at the moment, I have this space that I kind of have for her and I just sort of haven't had it. And, oh God, I'm so sorry. The last thing you need to do is apologise. I just haven't had it in the past month or so. And I just feel... Yeah, but there's a lot that happens in our how we deal with things, and I think the overriding thing I would say is just sitting and listening is just you know wherever possible, please cut yourself slack about yeah, all this stuff because also it's all yours to own. And whilst you're not the first person to go through losing a child, you're the only person that's lost Maudie, and you're the only family. And that how family, golly, how we all deal with everything. You know, you walk into every household down this street and everybody's got different ways of doing similar processes, yeah, you know? Yeah. And also, it's not chronological. Grief is crazy. It doesn't do that. It doesn't kind of go faithful to the number of years no, past. No, it's chaos. It is. And we're now, I've realised, um, we're only a few weeks away from what is the 11th anniversary. And I was thinking as well that, because Maudie died, so it was January the 1st, 2011. Yeah. Right? So I was thinking about the sort of profundity of it being on new year's days you've literally got an old old previous life and then this new life yeah yeah i mean it is so i I was talking about it yesterday to somebody just and i was like you know i do really feel like i mean there's always that new thing new year clean slate it's any any day that your, your child dies is going to be a very significant day for I, I mean I I work for a bereavement charity now and so I, I you know it's if it's the the 22nd of November or the 17th of March whatever it is but this it, New Year's Day it's also a day when nobody does anything mm. so it's like you can't even be distracted I, I'm I'm a real bury my head in the sand I will just get on with work and I will just that's what I know I have to do to kind of just get the day over with just get it over with get it over. and I do find that the, the build-up to the day is usually worse than the day but there is something about 
that week between Christmas and New Year, that week of sort yeah, of this nothing, yeah. nothingness, where mm. you don't know what day it is. Yeah. You haven't, you know, you're just sort of, you're confused, you know, and everyone's bored and depressed because they've opened all their presents. And then we have this build up and then everyone's like, Happy New Year. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Seriously, fuck off. I have nothing to celebrate here. Mm. Um less you know more so now because you know it has been it will be 11 years and I think I'm not saying people have forgotten because they haven't obviously my dear 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 friends but people forget it's fine I get it so they'll send you a happy new year you know round robin and I'm like oh seriously go fuck yourselves Mm. um but also you know the the new year the the you know cleaning of the slate you know it is very interesting because I would and this is why I was saying to somebody yesterday it's like my life is really divided into two halves it's you know before she died and after she died and that is exacerbated by this new year thing because as soon as I got through the first of January I really feel like a weight's been lifted I, her birthday is the 7th of October. So I kind of feel like September, I'm sort of falling down the rabbit hole. And then I have to get through her birthday, which actually I find the hardest day, much more so than the day she died. Mm. I find her birthday just impossible. Um, and, and, and as the years go on, I find it more impossible because I'm really trying to sort of work out uh, who she would be now because she would be 13 now. And but of course she isn't. She's always going to be two. Um, that disparity really messes with my head. Mm. Um, and also, when it's her birthday, you're just you remember the birth, and you remember you know every aspect of the birth, and it's so and the joy and the pain and you know. And I had her at home, so. You know, and it was so. I had, you Is know, it the same place you're living in now. Yes, yeah. So I had her at home, and she died at home. So the, where we live now is very much sort of her. Mm. I think of it; it's it's her, and we're moving. So I've this oh. is another, yeah. So we're we're, we're moving, yeah. and I'm trying to kind of adjust to this because I know it's. I know she's not there. I know she'll be wherever I am, but the significance of that place is oh, I get, I profound. But, um, God, I can't remember what I was talking about now. What was I talking about? Well, I have things I would like to talk about because, um, obviously, primarily the podcast I've been doing is about being a working mum and, you know, having lots of things going on. Yeah. But I thought from the very beginning, I was really, um, first of all, I want to say I'm really so thankful to you for wanting to talk to me about this because, honestly, I think... I think this is a really important conversation and I feel really privileged that you're, you're being open with me, so thank you. And... I'm just so sorry, Clara. It's so shit. It's really shit. No, it's not. I mean, it's that. I, I do honestly think it's the. Well, if it, for any parent, it it would. It's the shittest thing that can happen to a person. Yeah, and, and interestingly as well, it's like. So I was thinking because I know that we. This is the first day we've actually met. Yeah. But we were chatting, um, you know, about about having this this conversation and about you know things that were coming up, and you were saying about the taboo of losing a child, and I was thinking that. I think it's partly because when you're a new parent and from that moment you realise you've made this awful pact basically mm. that 
your heart is wrapped up in this other person and you've got little control about what happens to them and there's all these awful scenarios you know could happen in the, your peripheral vision and you spend a lot of time forcing yourself not to think about them. Well, you couldn't, you can't, you can't live thinking... I mean, I did live thinking that something terrible was going to happen for a good few years after she died because once something terrible happens you to you like that you you kind of it's weird because actually i don't i'm really not like that now i think i'm much i i i'm sort of can reassure myself you know that it's it's not going to ha- have more faith in the universe mm. but i think when your child dies you know you you lo- your whole world view completely changes because mm. you you know we like to think we have some control over our destiny and our life we like to think which is sort of what you were talking about like if you don't think about it it's not going to happen yeah, almost also, also that if you talk do think about it, you're going to somehow invite it in yeah or, or that, that or, or, or like. you think oh my god well if i'm a good kind loving human being bad things are not going to happen to me you know you sort of have you make a pact with the universe that yeah but of course, when something like that happens, you think, but this wasn't supposed to happen to me because I was a good person and I, and I was a good mother and I, I did everything I should and I'm a good girl. And so not only do you lose your child and you are complete, your life is devastated, you sort of have to rebuild your whole worldview wow, yeah. because you're like, you lose your confidence. I mean, I'd say every bereaved parent I've ever spoken to has said they their confidence is on the floor. Whether their child, you know, you know, had an accident or, you know, or their child was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour, whatever it is, you feel as a parent, you have failed because your job on earth is to keep your child alive. Mm. So if they are dead, it is your fault. It is, so building your, building your, your sort of life up again and building your world around your grief is... I mean, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the, I mean, I'm hard is like an understatement, mm. you know, just not wanting to, to take my own life or not wanting to get out of bed or making myself get out of bed, which of course, you know, I, I did because I had another child. Mm. I have huge, huge respect for parents who've lost their only child. I do, I do just think that is, that is, that is hard. I feel so grateful that I could I had another child and that I was able to have another child. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I mean, can you remember much of that first bit when you had that so Bessie was four, so Bessie was three. nearly four. Yeah, yeah, she was nearly four. Um, it's it's like um, I do remember it, and and it's just black. It's it's really funny because I it's sort of like when I look back on it, I'm looking in on myself. I'm sort of sitting on the ceiling. I'm sort of like this weird crow that's sitting on the ceiling, and I'm looking at my bo- I'm looking at myself. You know, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't function. I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't, it was, it was also the shock because I, mm. because she died so suddenly, you know, we had a healthy child and then, uh, you know, oh, well, she, she wasn't healthy. She was very sick, but nobody worked out that she was very sick. But as far as I was concerned, yeah. myself and Jason, she, she was, you know, healthy, and uh, and then and then she's dead. So overnight, you know, you live in this sort of world of innocence. Mm. You know, where you don't know anything about child children dying, and you know, like as you say, it's like you. It is a taboo. People don't want to talk about it because it's. You, they think they it's going to come into their world. Well, it will somehow taint it. Well, well, I know, and it is. I mean, worrying about saying the wrong. Oh my god, I could write a book about it. Mm. You know, they're worrying about saying the wrong thing, or they're. You know that. I think. I think it's so extreme. It's unthink. It is unthinkable. It is. I. I, I mean, I honestly, I remember at that time thinking. I can't describe this. Yeah. There just aren't words. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done, isn't there? Yeah, there really aren't words. There certainly aren't words in the English language. I don't know about other languages. To describe what it is, because like, if I say devastated, it doesn't even touch the surface. It's it's a feeling I... I mean, I really, I really couldn't... I can't put it into words. Um, it's like sort of being in the wilderness and being in hell, it sort of felt like I was in hell for a year. But during that year, I was pregnant as well. So, um, you know, initially when she died, you know, they, they were, you know, they put me on antidepressants and and um, some Valium and it sort of calmed me down. But then as soon as I was pregnant, three months later, I was like, I, you know, I think I should just, you know, go cold turkey. Mm. And that was my choice. I know other bereaved, other women who've been pregnant after and they have and their children have been fine. But I was just like, because I was in the terrible things happened to me, I'm going to be that 1% that takes, you know, 
fluoxetine when they're pregnant and and something will go wrong with the baby. So I was like, so I sort of went through that year cold turkey um, and it was like, it was like sort of walking through this hellish landscape. And I have really beautiful friends and family who pulled me through. Um, but, and a really wonderful husband who we love each other very much and we are very much, you know, together in our grief, but it is the most isolating thing. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's just brutal. Yeah. It's so brutal. And I haven't even, I mean, I I don't even think I've even sort of explained it by saying that, but it's, um, well, like you say, probably language leaves us a little bit um, adrift sometimes, mm. doesn't it? I mean, even the word sad isn't really... I feel like you need about 40 words for that too, yeah. to be honest. Um, but uh, I was thinking as well about the fact that it's a whole different thing to be busy and trying to keep things going with work and children when you're also dealing with grief, mm. not just yours, mm. for your child, mm. your other half. Mm. Um, what was going on in your working life around this time? Um, because you've been how long have you been acting? Were you acting since you were? Uh, uh, well, little? I no, I was acting. So I went to drama school, and I um, so I I worked quite a lot in my twenties, and then in my thirties, I didn't work so much. So I was like, and I was, I <clears throat> I kind of no, I say I gave it up. My agent at the time dumped me. I got the sort oh, of that's harsh. Oh, harsh, <laughs> harsh. I was thirty four. And I got the letter and it was like, we think you're great, but there's really nothing more we can do for you. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But I, I need to say, but at the, I had retrained. So I was making jewellery as well. And my jewellery business was going really, really well. But I never really cared because all I ever wanted to do was act. And, and that's something your husband does too. So yeah, he's an actor. Mm. And, and I just, I spoke to a friend and... I said, will you help me get a new agent? And she was like, I, I will help you get a new agent, but I'm going, she's older than me. And she was like, I'm, I'm going to say something now and it's really hard. And she was like, why don't you have a baby and enjoy your life? Yeah. And she was like, you are really, really good at doing something else. And she said, there are so many actresses, just enjoy your life and have kids because you could put it off and put it off. And I was like, I was, I was raging. I was like, how? She, and then I slept on it and I woke up the next morning. I was like, she's right. She's right. I, I'm going to have a baby and enjoy, enjoy my life. And otherwise, I mean, I do know actresses who've just thought, oh, well, what if I get pregnant? And then the yeah. phone rings. And, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do I want to have children and there's never going to be a right time. So, so it, that's sort of what triggered it. So I, you know, got pregnant quite quickly after. And I really didn't think about acting at all and it was really lovely that Jason and Jason's career was just sort of flying flying high and it was lovely because I kind of still felt I was a part of that world even though I wasn't anymore through him I was a part of that world and um <clears throat> then really we and then when Moore died really interestingly I had this longing to act again Really? Absolutely like What do you think that was to do with? I think it was to do with channeling my Mm. pain not wanting to sound like a wanker but I think it was to do with having this having a place to put having yeah and Jason didn't Jason neither of us could work for a good couple of months or Jason didn't work he was he was doing a play he was starting rehearsals for a play just before she died 
you know, and we need, you know, we're self-employed. We needed the money. Because we am I right in thinking there's zero financial none. support? There's none. Bereaved parents? Nothing. That is horrific. Yeah, and so if you're self-employed... I was actually really shocked to Yeah, that. yeah. If you're self-employed, so we couldn't pay our mortgage. So he tried to rehearse about five days after she died. It was a play at the Royal Court. And then oh it was goodness. like, it became really clear after about three days that it just, it, it, it wasn't going to work. So we, we tried to sign on. It, honestly, it was, it was so, you, you try and sign on, your child's just died, you're speaking to somebody on the phone who's going, sorry, what? What? Who's died? Oh, my daughter's just died. Well, you're going to have to send us the death certificate then. I mean, it was sort of like that. So actually, we, uh, so uh, Roger Michelle, who very sadly died, about six weeks ago, died very suddenly. Roger, who's a really good friend of ours, he just lent us money. He lent us money and it meant that we could we could live yeah. and, and not worry about money because it was scary. It was really scary. Yeah, I'd actually, I don't wonder what resources are there I for. think I think there is something going on in Parliament at the moment where they're trying to kind of get some sort of bereavement it? support. It's but it, even something. then, it's it's really minimal. But even if it makes you feel a little bit seen, it's better yeah, than yeah. invisible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, you're right. It's, not, good. it's not, not enough. But I think that thing of it just being like you've fallen off the edge of something yeah. is just... I mean, I, I think, if, you know, if, if you have an employer, it probably, they will do the right thing. There might, but if you're self-employed, it's a completely different story. Yeah. Um, so Jason went off to work after about a month or two and I'd see him go and I'd be so jealous. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, you can go somewhere and you can put on a costume and you can be somebody else and you can block it out for five minutes because... I couldn't, there wasn't a waking, there wasn't a second of the day for probably six months and not a second where I wasn't consumed by what had happened, longing for her, missing her. And so, but I knew that Jason could, had this sort of out. And and I think that was difficult for him. And, and he would say that he would be on set, he'd do, you know, whatever he had to do. And then he'd come back to being him and then it would hit him again. So, it, you know, it swings and roundabouts. Yeah. But it really kind of made me think, oh, I, wanna, I really want to act again. But I didn't do anything about it. And then, um, and then I got a phone call from a director who I'd worked with when I was acting and he, he, he said to me, I'm auditioning for this play and I just keep hearing your voice and I really, really want you to do it. And I was like, I don't know if I can. I just, too much has happened. I don't know if I could get on stage. I'm a completely different person now. And he was like, well, look, have the weekend to think about it. And, and, and I was, I really just thought, well, I can, if I say no, it will be cowardice and it will be the, it will be the, it will be the sort of coward's way because it would be nice to just stay in my little world of safety and comfort. But I know that if I don't say, if I don't say yes, I will really kick myself. So I said yes. And it was torture. It was real torture because I was like, what am I doing? I, I'm not this person anymore. But then as soon as we opened and we had an audience, I was like, ah, I remember, I remember how much I love it. So, so this, what was, what, was that Leopold Stadler? No, that was a play called Fear and Loathing in the Third Reich. It's, uh, I, I only play Jews, Sophie, because I am one. <laughs> I only play Jews in Holocaust plays. 
Um, so yeah, I was playing a Jew in a play about the Holocaust, um, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I have, I'm very niche. Um, uh, but it was... It's it kept w- you busy. Yeah, it has kept me busy. Um, and I, you know, and so I got my agent, I got a new agent, my, my lovely agent, Jess, who who's at United Ah. and who used to be Ruth's assistant. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, And uh, so I got my agent, Jess, and just sort of bumble along, just bumble along and just pick up work where I can and playing Jews. I actually saw you in Leopold. Did you? When it opened. Did you? Yeah, I went with my mum. Yeah, I haven't told you that before. But yeah, it was really excellent. But I feel like it was quite a long time ago. Yes, because it was a long time ago. No, but the run, but you've only just finished again. No, but there was a a pandemic in the middle. I know that, but but even that then, I think, when did it... uh, I do remember the pandemic. Did you know, (laughs) Sophie, that with... You might not have heard. Is that why everything Something happened, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we, we were open... So we were over I think we played about six weeks and then and then so March 2000 and I can't what was it 2020 we were we got to the theatre and it was and it was the night that Boris had oh, said yes. everything is closed you know so we, when did it open for that just 2019 because so, I thought it was I feel no, like it, it was, opened 2020 we started rehearsals for it I feel like I've been doing it my was, whole life oh wow we started rehearsals sort of October 2019, and we opened ah. January 2020, and then okay. we closed I must have March. Seen it in January, then yeah, we closed March. Just before um, the world till but actually, again. it really ch- and then we did it. We picked it up again um, August this year, but it was very different when we did it this time round. Mm. <laughs> well, um, you've said you, so. You've finished that, and you mentioned you've got lots of projects on the go. So you have your work with. Is it slow that you work with? Yeah, like the bereavement charity. Yeah, yeah. So slow is uh, Which stands for sudden loss su- of your world. Is that right? Hold on. Oh my gosh, what does it stand for? Um, yes, surviving, surviving, surviving the loss, loss of, of your, your world. Yeah, that makes that makes um, um, sense. It was set up by two bereaved mums, um, and when and it's it's essentially is just a group where bereaved parents go. Um, drink cups of tea and eat cake and just talk for an hour and a half every week and they set it up when they both lost their daughters and because there wasn't there's not a huge amount of support um and I think it is I could talk for hours about this because when when Maud died I there were there was a service it's now been cut but in Camden where I live like a bere- the bereavement services were quite good and I had this bereavement counselor she wasn't good um she really wasn't you know I think it's potluck with 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 therapists yeah. and counselors and I, and she just and there's a chemistry as well yeah it just she didn't work for me and I, I I would be like and also I'd sort of be there going hold on but there's nothing you can say that's going to make the, that you know she she was Australian she'd go oh have you tried tepping have you tried like tepping and tep and I'd be like my my kids just died I don't think tapping is gonna do it or mm. you know she was like oh you could switch the light on and off you know that sometimes helps and I was like what what? That's a strange one. So I, w- so I stopped going to her and then I, I looked in the local paper and I found this group. It was just so like... Actually, that's probably more what you want. Yeah, least. and just I really do that think... That space where there's so much... You don't even have to say things. Exactly. Understand. Yeah. Them. It's like sitting in a room full of people who know, who, who, who don't have the words, as I said before, but know th- where you are. Yeah. 
That yeah. was so comforting to me. And also, I really thought my life was over. I, I just thought, well, I'm never going to smile again. I'm never going to laugh again. How could I ever be happy again? It's impossible. And so going to a group where you've got people who are newly bereaved, who've been bereaved for 10 years, um, is, is, for me, gave me hope. Because I'd look at the people who were sort of, who'd been in, who'd been, 10 years bereaved I couldn't first of all believe that they were alive and surviving and walking around and having jobs and getting stuff done I mean I just couldn't get my head around it but I did just think okay so so that I I didn't believe it would happen to me but I still knew that it it was possible because I was like but that's not going to happen to me because she's never going to come back so I'm never going to feel better it's never going to be right Mm. um so so then uh, a couple of years ago, I trained and I work for them now. So I work as a facilitator. So I have a group on a Wednesday and I have maybe 15 people who come to my group. And, um, and I think of all the, I know it doesn't work for everybody group, group. It's not, I would, it's not even therapy. It's just sitting, having cups of tea, yeah. eating cake and talking and going, you know, you're not mad for thinking that. Yeah. No, you're not mad for, for, for having that thought. That's completely mm. normal. And I think that is so comforting. Um, so I know that it's really, it really works. Yeah. Um, so I do that. And I started a dress company um, with my friend Tanya... At the beginning of the pandemic. Did you know there was a pandemic? Did you, did, <laughs> was there, a pandemic? There, there was this pandemic, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was yeah. a little bit of time when yeah, I yeah, yeah. to shops and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite hard to get an online super. <laughs> yeah, that was really <laughs> tricky. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Um, I'm so glad you've. I bet you're glad I told you. (laughs) Um, So we started the. It's sort of two years ago, around this time. It was I. I taught my. I was having a sort of quiet period, and I, and I learned how to sew with a. a, My friend Chris is incredible seamstress. Oh wow, you actually can. Yeah, she taught me how to sew because with my skill. Oh my god, I mean I'm rubbish at it. I I mean I can do it, but I'm not a natural sewer. Uh, I'm not kind, I'm a little bit too chaotic in the brain. It's sort of like a puzzle, mm. making clothes. It's sort of back to front and inside out. Yes. And I'm not very good at back to front and inside out. And so Chris, who taught me, I'd just go to her house and um, her husband had had died a year before. So we sort of, I'd go and we'd sit and we'd talk about grief. And it was, and and I taught her how to bead, which is my jewellery. And we did this skill swap and she mm. taught me how to sew. And we would talk about our respective dead child and dead husband and watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on her television. And, and she taught me how to sort of sew and pattern cut. So I made a dress that is the dress I'm wearing now, which is sort of my I, I'd, I'd taken loads you I, mean you literally made that one or you made the original of this I made the original design. I didn't actually make this one this was was made by Corinne one of our seamstresses um it's very beautiful it's so lovely um but I made I was like I want to make my perfect dress mm. and it's uh, proportionally it's got to have this because I would see like I am a complete clothes obsessive and always have been and 
I'd see, I'd have dresses and they were sort of 98% perfect, but there was always something wrong with them. So I wanted to create the perfect one. So I feel that I have created the perfect one. It's perfect for me. And that was the start of our business. So we had this dress Mm. and we made, I can't remember in our first, but like maybe 20 Mm. and set up a website and we put three grand in each. I mean, it was so sort of gung-ho. We were like, we really did not think it through. Uh, but we made this website and we just got, we pulled in every favour from every friend and said, please, can you wear this and put this on your Instagram, please? And, and it absolutely has taken off. So now we have this really brilliant business that I sort of can't believe. And it's kind of grown and I'm, it's, it's, we need to employ people. That's where we are now. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But also, when I'm listening to you, you know, how it was the incarnation of the very first beginning. Yeah. It's like, there's this nice sort of poetry, the idea of Maudie being sort of present into it. Yeah, all I totally well. think, but I all feel conversations that and she is, so, she is so much a part of everything I do. Um, I, I, I think sort of creatively, you know, when she died, I really, because I am, I am a doer and a maker and I love making things and I've always used my hands to, and I'll always like to learn new skills. Mm. But when she died, I couldn't, I had no creativity at all. And I, and I didn't think I ever would again. So, and I do think that every, that she is completely woven into, to our brand. Um, and I think all the sort of life that we've both lived is we've pumped in all mm. our, all our experiences. So, because I think, you know, starting a business at, you know, in your late forties, which we were, Oh, she, Tanya's not 50 yet, um, is difficult. You, your energy goes down, but you plough you plow yeah. who you now are and all that, that that is into it. And it sort of, you know, I don't think we did it in the right way. I'm sure there's a way of starting a business. I'm yeah. sure there's like, there are books that are written on it. But I think when you're older, you just go, well, let's just do it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if we're doing it wrong. Yeah, it doesn't matter if that's not well, exactly what you're really right. thinking about. Is how do I reach the other other people like me out there that are looking also looking for the perfect dress? Exactly, you know, and you know, we we wanted it. You know, we wanted a business that was you know incredibly sustainable. We wanted people because our dresses aren't cheap. You know, we wanted people to buy something that will last. Yeah, you know that 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 you can keep forever yeah you know yeah that like you know because both of our mums would make our clothes for us and often (laughs) if we're sort of designing a new dress we will look through old photographs of ourselves age five and go (laughs) oh I really like that yeah (laughs) with the smocking yeah and the little Peter Pan collar and that will be a starting point the clothes that our mothers made for us in the same fabrics because we use so much liberty print in fact we pretty much only use liberty print um, so it's, so it's sort of nostalgic yeah. dressing, and I dressed both my girls in li- always in Liberty Print. Yeah, I was thinking at the pictures that you put on the Opiner's Instagram post of Maudie, she's yeah. wearing outfits. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Little seed of yeah, absolutely what later became, but yeah. When I was thinking about the fact that all the things you're doing, so your acting helps give it. You know, it's good to have a place to put your yeah. emotions creatively, and then you're weaving her into the clothes, and obviously. A, really significant connection is with the 
the charity work as well. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, and I, I hope you don't think this is a very sort of twee idea, but I was imagining if I'd gone through something similar and how you have your baby and you every step you're is about you know encouraging independence and slowly getting them out out further into the world but when they die I wondered if it almost feels like they kind of almost get sort of reabsorbed like mm. they come back to you mm. because then you are there's a big it's a big thing to be the person also has to bring their legacy forward as well mm. like as a mother that's basically what you you oh, want her to still I tried be to, here. Yeah. I mean, I I feel that I carry her through through my life with me. And, mm. I, and I think that's because I, I never shy away from talking about her. I never shy away from talking about her death. And I actually really like talking about her because it makes her present. Exactly. And also for all of her... Her stepbrothers and yeah, brother yeah, and yeah, family, yeah. all their family. Yeah, well, I mean, she is so much part of it. Yeah, and, and also friends. Because um, as you mentioned earlier, people are so scared. It's so it's such a taboo, a dead child. Because people are scared to mention her because they think, well, I don't want to upset her. I don't want to trigger. Yeah. You just think, well, you're never going to trigger me because she's so, she's on my mind. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but she no, really no, is on my there. mind yeah. a lot of the time. So it's never like, oh my God, you've mentioned Maud and now I feel sad. I mean, no, it, it I could that. never be. It's always better to mention the, 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 the chart. I mean, always. And I, I really try and give... And I know, I can, I, I've sort of had this per- perception, I know when people are feeling nervous about it, so I do it. Yeah. And I, I just think, say, I'm giving you, you permission. Do you feel like you have to set the tone sometimes? I do, but yeah. I don't have a problem with that, yeah. because I realise, look, before she died, I would have been as awkward as anybody else. I'm not, I, you know, I, 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 would, I would have been probably crap. But I, re- and I think that's why I, I ter- I'm really forgiving, and I just, I mean, people have said some stupid shit, Um and some people have said a really, really unforgivable, stupid shit. And n- n- not so much now, but when she first died. And I've never forgotten I've, no, no. I've never forgotten it. No, I wouldn't. And I've got a massive grudge. No, but I sort of weirdly do. Yeah. There are some people, and then other people just know what to say. They just, it's, you know, it's, but it is so, it is a minefield. It's really complicated. You cannot say the right thing. A lot of our time in the group is spent, you know, talking about when people say stupid shit or people don't understand or people think that, you know, well, it's 10 years, come on, get over it. Get, you know, the, the you know, you should be in a better place. I mean, you know, it's, this is all so preposterous. You know, yeah, that is. somebody in the group yesterday was, you know, they lost their child four months ago and they were being told by, by, you know, a family member that they need to stop being depressed you know, it's, you know, and I was, and I sort of think I couldn't, if, if that had happened to me, I'd never forgive that person. No. It's up to me, that's unforgivable. Yeah. This is a life sentence. This is something you have to learn to live with. Um, how did I get onto this? Well, no, I was talking about about the the sort of legacy, I suppose. And also the, um, yeah. the, the, The legacy with Maudie, I think, you know, she died of sepsis and, we, Jason and I, had taken her to the hospital two days on the trot. We'd taken her to UCH and they hadn't 
they hadn't detected it. They they told they told me it was croup, and they sort of missed they misdiagnosed her. So you know we have you know we've done a lot of campaigning, and and I think a lot of change has happened since she died. And it's not just us campaigning. The sep- the UK Sepsis Trust are amazing, and and a lot of uh, you know there's a lot more. Yeah, awareness yeah. of sepsis now a bit like that sort of that when meningitis you know because they're, they're quite similar but sepsis is very difficult to detect it's not as easy as meningitis um it's secondary illness um but we have done a lot of campaigning and it has been really difficult i have found it really painful um but i uh, i i do think well this is i do it for her and i do it in her name and i just I love, you know, when Jason or I get an email from somebody or he does Twitter, I, I don't do Twitter, but he, you know, he, he'll he get a message saying, I took my kid to A&E and um, I mentioned sepsis and the doctors hadn't spotted it and then it was, so thank you very much. Mm. So we do get quite a lot of that and I do just think that's incredible. I mean, there's always a part of me that's like, I wish it hadn't have been her and... I wish I never was in this position and I never got these messages, but she died and I can't have her back. So I, I've always been quite sort of glass half full. It's like, I'll take what I can from this fucking shit yeah. situation. I'll just take the goodness. And, and that is a good thing that yeah. things have changed. Yeah, because life goes on. So the, you have to... Well, I suppose especially if you've got young children, it has to be a choice to yeah. still be there for them and yeah, yeah. find the joy again. But I did make a choice. I did. I absolutely remember. I remember thinking I could just stay in bed and, well, I, had to, I remember thinking I could stay in bed and I could start drinking and I could take shitloads of drugs and that would be a way because... It's, it's I, I, I understand. I mean, I, I, I totally understand why people, because it's, it's, yeah, I, I, it's too painful. I yeah. can't do this. I can't. Um, or I could just walk out and walk in front of a bus. Uh, uh, not that wouldn't be very fair to the bus driver, but I wasn't really in my right mind. But I did make a choice and I was like, I can't, I cannot do that. I cannot do it for Bessie. I cannot do it for my mother. I cannot do it for my friends or Jason or I have to keep going and I will do it for her. And I did it and I, and I do do it for her. And I do, I think that is, you know, I do so much with my day, I cram in so much to a day and I, and it's always, I do, she's so with me all the time. I do everything. I think for all my children, um, have I even mentioned Gilbert? <laughs> the, the child I had after Maud. Well, I was yeah. thinking he must have his birthday coming up. So Gil, so I had Gilbert three three weeks after the anniversary. Yeah, of I was thinking it must the, be January. Yeah. Yeah. So his birthday's the 17th of Jan. So it's, yeah, it's two and a half weeks. Well, that's so. nice to have a birthday. Yeah, so that, that's sort of part of the sort of New Year. So after New Year's Day, I think, right, that's over for another year. And then, and then it's like Gilbert's birthday. So it's yeah. sort of like, it is like a sort of fresh start. Um, but I do, I do, I put her into everything. She is so much a part, and I do carry her. I do, and I know it's a cliche because, and I remember uh, the bereaved parents in the group when I first started, would say, no, but I carry them in my heart. And I'd be like, oh, I don't even understand what you mean. 
because she felt so far away from me. And I'd be like, where are you? Where have you gone? And also, as you said earlier, like that physical presence of a two-year-old, that the weight of them, the pudge, the 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 carrying, yes. the changing, the the pushing of the pram, and then there's nothing. Yeah. It's not there anymore. Um, I I felt that absence, like it was so visceral. I I felt her. Where are you? And then you don't feel it over the years, but I do really, I mean, not literally inside me, but I feel that wherever I am, she is. Yeah. And I think that's because I talk about her all the time and yeah. and, and share her. Yeah, and that's love, I think. Yeah. It all comes back to that as well. Well, like I'm a... always going to be her mother. Exactly. Yeah. And when I still mother her. You, when people say, how many children oh, do you have? How do you answer It's so brutal. Question? Well, it, yeah. I think in that split second where people ask me, I kind of make a choice. Am I going to tell them? Mm. Is it, have I the energy to say, well, I had three, but I lost one. Or sometimes I say three and I don't explain. explain. And people go, oh God, you must have your hands full. And I go, yeah, yeah. Uh, And they'll say what age is and I don't tell them. Mm. And sometimes I'll meet somebody and I think, oh, I think you'll, you can carry it. I think you're going to get it. So, you know, if I'm at a party or something... I was away last weekend and I was sitting next to somebody at this party and I was like, yeah, he can totally deal with this. Mm. So I told him and we had this brilliant conversation because actually what it's done is just sort of, I kind of feel I'm really, people sort of open up to me more now. And I think people, people just sort of, there's not a lot of small talk. It's just like, you just go straight in and Mm. talk about the, kind of deep important stuff so we we met at this party and we were chatting and it was just like we had this brilliant chat and he told me about his sister who died and and I know that we both got something really special out of it and I don't think that happened before yeah I think I've got this sort of different perspective and well as well it makes you think about all the other times when you've been the person saying to someone um, you know, what's going on? What, how many kids do you have? Or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, you yeah. ask them and the things that are actually behind I the know. bits we give away and what we don't. There's so it, much yeah. of that, isn't there? Yeah. And it's such a difficult question now because it really is in that split second. I think when she first died, I mean, I told everybody. Or if you were having, you know, like if you were in the programme for a play and they wanted to write a blurb about you, you know, what do you put in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things, these sometimes they're seemingly insignificant things but obviously they're huge because they're what represents you and how you put yourself out to other people yeah yeah I mean it's quite you know with the business with with our Instagram it's I hadn't that that post that I did about Maud was the first time I'd mentioned it and I I feel I I wanted to mention it before because she to me is so much a part of our Mm our brand and I didn't also want people to look at our Instagram feed and think that Tanya and I were these two sort of you know lucky middle class slim you know relatively attractive women who have this perfect life I want to be my authentic self and I think I am so you know I am a bereaved mother and I I I want people to know that. I don't want people to think I have this perfect life because I don't. And also it means that for the other people out there going through the same thing, they can see that 
there's ways to there, there is life after life yeah after. there is a life to be had after um and i and i you know i do want people to know that is there something you wish you could go back and tell yourself then or if there's anyone out there going through something similar is there anything that you think is a really something that someone said to you that actually became quite a good thing to hold on to do you think well i think I think it is just that hope thing and I think it, I think it, it just everything to me comes down to having a little glimmer of hope Be- that the terrible the terrible brutal the first year or two honestly it 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 does get better you cannot imagine that it will but it does and something else that really helped me and I still do this now when I feel sort of anxious and overwhelmed because obviously I'm perimenopausal now and like my hormones are like and I get I've never had anxiety before but I've started getting it whoa yeah and I'm sort of and but when when she first died I kind of get into this spiral of but what about the future I can't you think about the future and think I can't do this and you think about future events yeah the future without her just the future what does my future look like without her what what but it's too big to 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 think and and um somebody said to me I'm sure it's quite common to say you know this but I, I I didn't realize it before and they were like just don't stay in the present stay in the present get through the next five minutes make a cup of tea that was it It was like make a cup of tea drink the cup of tea think about Mm. the cup of tea do not think I said it to my son this morning who's nine and was going but I'm worried about my future and I was like what are you talking about it you've got to stay in the present yeah I mean I do have to remind myself of that now because I will spiral but as soon as I go you know what I'm just going to get through the next five minutes and I would say when you're newly bereaved, that is the best piece of advice that was given to me. Make a cup of tea. Cup of tea to cup of tea. That's what I did. I went from cup of tea to cup of tea to cup of tea. Yeah. And oh. just drank the cup of tea and watched shit on the telly. That was the other thing I did. I watched the biggest, well, just this like proper, mindless, any any installment of The Real Housewives <laughs> ask me any question because I know I've watched every series it was it got me through the first year I'm thinking about cups of tea and watching crap on telly that's kind of how I exist anyway well it sort of is how I still exist when I it, I mean given like if I wasn't so busy that would be my dream but just actually, staying in bed with cups of tea yeah. watching The Real Housewives but actually the thing you said about the tea um is actually uh, advice they give to lots of people dealing with anxiety and trauma. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I mean, trauma, it's just, you know, keep breathing, yeah. one foot in front of the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're out of the fire kind of feeling. But yeah. with the, the tea, there's actually... Because um, my husband, Richard, and he wouldn't mind me saying this, he, he was getting very anxious earlier in the year, and he went to see a chap, and he told... I'm going to throw it up now that I wasn't wholly listening to the entire story. But basically it was something to do with a soldier and um, the enemy getting closer and not knowing how what to do strategically. Okay. And he just did nothing and just had a cup of tea. Nice. Sometimes you just need to just... Do just nothing. be in the moment and do yeah. nothing for a minute. I think it's like let sage, else play out. sage advice. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I, the other thing I did was walk. I yeah. walked. Actually, my mum does that. Yeah, she I just walked. She lost my last year and she's yeah. just walking and walking, walking and walking and walking. Just putting, as you just said, that's what made me think of it, was just putting one foot in front of the other. And I have a dog. Um, I have a different dog, but when Maud died, I had a different dog. Um, and 
I had a friend who would pick me up every morning, bundle me in her car, drive me up to Hampstead Heath, literally drag me round, just drag me round yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And it would and then I and then drop me home. She did it for six months every day. Wow. Every single day. She's dead now, unfortunately. She was she was was much older than me, Gillian. Just the most wonderful human yeah, she being. Sounds like an she was person. the most incredible human. And I love that. No question. Just here I am. She, I'm here. Time for the walk. Get in my car. Yeah. Off we go. Off we go. Yeah. We're doing it. And just that momentum of putting one foot in front of the other, and also watching the seasons change and mm. like the little thing, tiny little things, you know, and the world moving forward, even though. It does sound like a cliche, but it really did help me. So cups of tea, walking, yeah. and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> that That's my advice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, Clara, thank you so much. I hope... I hope you feel this might go a little way towards helping ease the taboo as well. And um, I hope so. I know that, um, you know, it's, it's an awful thing that's led you to have this be a big part of your life. But I'm very grateful to Maudie that she met we could meet today and talk about all this. Um, and I think that there'll be people out there that feel a little bit more seen, which is really important. And also for everybody else that's nervous about how to broach a lot of this, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's a massive deal to be able to talk about it. And I think, you know, I was thinking before, because we've, we've come a long way, haven't we, with miscarriage mm. and death in pregnancy and early birth, but mm. that's still babies. And we're kind of almost in a way getting better at dealing with that. But yeah. Form small people, you know, children, young people. That's that's the next step in getting, yeah. getting conversations out there, I think. Well, I, I mean, I definitely think it's better than it was 10 years ago. I, it does feel like we're shifting. I think also like podcasts and things. Like, I mean, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, but better with the communication. I think also you can find things like, you know, like with the Instagram post that you did on your iPiners mm. site. Like that, that stuff just helps shift as well the fact that what you see in the images there's just everybody's got stories behind things mm. um, but yeah I just want to send you lots of love oh, thank, thank you, you my love thank <laughs> you for having me I hope I haven't made you late oh, I feel I shouldn't really keep you too long after that um, sorry I'm doing some tidying gentle tidying up while I talk to you uh I know you're probably feeling a bit emotionally drained. I know that um, that's quite a normal response. And my producer, Claire, who wasn't with me when I spoke to Clara, and she listened to the chat afterwards, said that's how she felt. It's a lot, but it's important. And I just feel so grateful to Clara for talking to me. I really do. Thank you so much, Clara. Um, thank you to you. It's funny because I'm in my kitchen tidying up right now because I've got an extra five kids in the house because it's my second one down's birthday party, with joint birthday with a friend, so they're having a 13th. And I thought at first, oh, is that really tactless to be finishing this episode and all that we spoke about with kids shouting in the background? And I thought, oh, no, don't be silly. That's life. And it's, it's life that pulls you through, I would imagine. I'm not supposing, but I know what it feels like, but that seemed to be something that Clara was saying. And new things, seasons changing, her little boy that's here because of what happened with her daughter. 
Yes, the wheel turns and grief isn't chronological. And yeah, I suppose those new lives are what pull us through to the next bit. Anyway, I'm sort of rambling a little bit because I don't really, I don't really know how to come out of the back of <laughs> talking about that and giving it its complete fitting end because it's just really sad, isn't it? It's just really, really sad. But anyway, if it's touched you um, in any way um, on a more personal, deeper level, then I'm sending lots of love your way. And, uh, yeah, well, actually, lots of love to everybody. And I'll see you next week. Um, yeah. To be honest, this has come at quite a nice point in my day in terms of having this moment of peacefulness because you know what it's like when you're in the pace of life and everything's really busy and you're kind of going from one bit of planning to the next and all the stuff you have to do and all the admin of raising a family and all that stuff and then just now I'm just catching myself that you know right here right now my kids are healthy and having a nice time and the sun is shining and I'm just going to take a minute just to appreciate that yeah. All right. Lots of love. See you next week. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.